0: You're listening to Red Nation Online. July second, Steve Perry, Imeon Clark, and we're back from fireworks at BMO Field after the match. Yes, it was not an explosive encounter between Toronto FC and Seattle, as both goals in the 1-1 draw came within a minute of each other. We discussed the depleted TFC and how the players who were available performed, such as Vasa Endo, Jay Chapman, as well as Jovinko. Look at the state of refereeing and ahead to a busy month with the Chicago Fire up next weekend. All this and more on the next 35 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. You want a little East Side stand-up history, right
1: now? Yes, I would.
0: Did you know that Toronto City, home to Seattle Sounders, was the first ever podcast we did?
1: No, I didn't. Interesting.
0: Home opener, 2009. Ah. Seattle Sounders beat Toronto City two nothing. Courtesy, I think of uh, I think Freddie Lundberg scored a goal for them. Okay, yeah. And uh, high hopes for the Reds at the start of that year. Like every year. Yeah, yeah. Dashed dashed by the expansion Seattle Sounders and here we are uh, eight years later I guess a different result but uh, maybe a similar unentertaining is that even a word Uh, not the most entertaining game in some ways but I guess it had I guess you could say it had its moments
1: well I think right from the start Thinking that we could actually get something out of this game was a bit of a worry. With the uh, given the body count of uh, injuries over the last uh, couple of games, we saw the starting keeper out, Irwin, Clinton Irwin, Irwin. Um, and Osario was uh, didn't start. Sheru didn't start. Bradley's off on injury. Morgan's off on injury. Johnson,
0: Will Johnson, Johnson,
1: Will Johnson, yeah, broken leg, broken tibia, tibia plateau, something like that. Lots of people not uh, Altidore still injured. Yeah, going into this game, we are like uh, like like we're playing at the last half of the season, troubled by injuries. This is where the the bench depth, uh, which is what we talked about at the beginning of the season, comes into play. And uh, it was good to see what we have on the bench. Um, they, they certainly played a different formation as a result thereof, given that uh, I guess sort of the Bradley was not there. I think they played more five defending players uh, with two of them sort of in a wing back position moving up. Given that Seattle right now is currently, I think, second place, second last in the uh, West Division, the coach probably felt like it wasn't, um, they weren't much of a challenge. So I think they still played it cautiously with uh, sort of a. F- a five-player bowl in the back end, but with some attacking options, I think. It's kind of I think what it looked like as how he was trying to play this. Um, I think uh, in seeing how this played out, one of the one of my observations was that um, I think we know that Marquis Delgado is not a holding midfielder, and he got to play both positions, his normal position at the last part of the game, the last 15 minutes, which he totally excelled at, and I think you could see he was just happy to get out of the, all that pressure when Cheru came in. You know, overall, it was a pretty boring game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't... I mean, I, I felt lucky to get off with a point. I mean, we did tie it. Uh, well, we didn't tie it. We had the lead for one minute or maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, I think not even a minute. It wasn't even a minute. So we both get a point out of this, but... Um, so let me no, ask. There was, there was probably like the first twenty minutes. I hadn't written anything down in my book. In fact, this is like the um, the, the the slowest game I've ever sort of written notes for. I, I basically didn't have much to t- write or comment or try and remember because uh, there was just a lot of sort of uh, play in the middle, but not no really attacking shots most of the game. And, and in fact, our first real attempt at goal came in around the twentieth minute, and then it came in. Threes, right? Yeah. So within that twenty within that five minute period we had three really great sh- uh, shots on that including a post, right? Which um so Javinko
0: To Haglund to Chapman. Chapman hit one just wide. He yeah. headed the ball just off the he hit the um It was Chapman who hit the post. The post behind So
1: Haglund sorry, the twenty first minute Haglin to Chapman who hit the post and then right after that, uh, there was two back heels to Javinko. Yep. And he uh, he was clearly open. This is like uh, this never happens to Javinko, which is what I think he uh, and he just he roofed it right. He just kicked it way over the bar. And I thought, I think he's just not used to having no pressure. He, he's usually sinking these things under a lot of pressure. Yeah. So.
0: He's usually he's usually dribbled through two or three guys to get to this position and to find himself wide and clear, you know, within ten yards.
1: and not not the first of this game for this to happen to him so everyone's going what the fuck's happening but I'm thinking he's trying to make up a lot of distance and doing he's like he's basically out in the hinterland there, the wilderness on his own sort of drawing players out uh, trying to keep people wide He's still getting a lot of play for a player who's, you know, being take like he was taking himself out and sort of drawing people out, but there's nobody up there and there's no sort of linking player for him, right? So, he's gotten like he's just basically disassociate disassociated from it and having to do a lot more work than he would normally have to do if somebody else was there like Altador. Yeah. Right? And I think so, you
0: noticed when Rue substituted into the game when all you all of a ha- sudden he was changed. getting released. Yeah, the, the, there was vision from that sort of deep-lying playmaker or that holding midfielder that we didn't have all game, and there was that one play where it looked like Jovinko might have been onside. He was just off, and but I wonder, all of a sudden these passes were happening that hadn't been happening before. Were,
1: were these players being rested, or are they injured, or I think they're being rested. And then I wonder why they came in so late because like 15 minutes left in the game is a little bit too late for anything to happen really
0: well here's the here's the thing that we've talked a bit about the game but I wanted the one thing I wanted to ask you kind of off the hop was what is your take on this result you know we played one of the worst teams in the league yet we were
1: we played a really
0: short I mean was this is this an opportunity lost is what I'm guess what I'm getting at and with not having a game until next weekend against Chicago, should we have maybe risked Osorio and Shea Rue? Well, maybe
1: we underestimated the opposition is what I'm thinking. And, yes, uh, so, you know, just to play up on your opportunity loss side question that you're asking, I think, yes, it was, but I'm I'm thinking it was based on an underestimation of what the opposition had. And – but also – with realistic expectations of what we had. I mean, we were playing a lot of players because we don't really have a lot of players that are fit right now. So some of it was just because we didn't have anything, any options ourselves. So it made me think that by starting some of these guys who were fit and good, and usually in the starting 11, and not starting them was sort of like a little bit of a smoke and mirrors kind of bullshit tactic of like, oh, well, we can rest some of our good players, even though we fucking needed them on the pitch. <laughs> You know, Yeah. But you were saying that we got like five games at home in the next month. And maybe uh, maybe part of this has something to do with uh, the busy schedule that we've got in July. Uh, yeah. Because, the, the, you know, he does need to rest some of these guys. Or otherwise, they're, they're going to follow suit. Uh, and we're going to be even going deeper into the bench. Which, you know, some players we've never seen before. Like Edwards, I've never seen him play before. Yeah, he's a young guy. He's small. Everyone made a big deal when he got on the pitch. They were like, "Whoa, he's tiny!" Yeah, he had a shot on that too, which is great to see.
0: Yeah, he took his chance when he when he got out there. But that's what I, I mean. I wanted to just highlight Steve because we talked about the back line, but we did. You should, I think, we should just quickly note who that midfield was of Endo, Chapman, Delgado, uh, Jordan Hamilton, and Jovinko. That was sort of the top end. And with Chapman, I think. Showing a bit better than I, than the last time yeah. I remember him playing. I was happy
1: to see him his play.
0: Um, and then, of course, we have to mention it in goal was Alex Bono instead of... Not the Bono. Not the Bono. No, Alex Bono from Syracuse University.
1: <laughs> How did they play together? I mean, sort of... I mean, I felt that Delgado was sort of soldiering up the defense, and so he was sort of out of that midfield lineup, and Endo was supposed to be the linking player, but he was on the completely opposite side of Giovinco. Um... And you know, I I kept on thinking back to that game where he shadowed Altador and kept on getting in his way. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I wish he would have done that tonight because we could have used a second player up front, right? We've said it tw- two two games then, in a row, two home then games then in Chapman a row. And then Chapman would have been that link between him and Endo, and sort of like the number nine. I'm considering Endo the number nine, considering he wears number nine. Yeah. And uh, Javango being the striker, possibly that could have been the scenario. But like he didn't, I felt like he didn't play up high enough, and I felt like he. He crowded, him and Chapman crowded each other. Endo has great touch on the ball, and he looked fantastic and everything like it, but I feel like he may be at the expense of uh, Chapman not looking as great. But Chapman also did, you know, shine because we needed him to. But uh, the thing is that I I think that they were crowding each other. I just felt like there was too much uh, congestion between the two of them. Yeah, And it would have been better if they were spread out. Like, uh, maybe on the opposite side of the pitches. Like, I don't know if Chapman can play on the other side in the center. That might have been a better scenario. Yeah. And I think the one
0: thing, because I was having a few um, back and forths uh, on Twitter with uh, Simon Bruin, a friend of ours, and he was kind of noting how how Endo was looking better than last games and how Chapman was has been, looked a lot better than the last time we saw him. And, you know, not to, I didn't want to, like, rain all over that, but I was like, Seattle kind of look like shit they and did They. they the only know, reason I,
1: why we look good is because Seattle Seattle isn't so good
0: yeah and I remember thinking last year I mean Seattle's a team that's since they came in this and I'm maybe linking this back to the start of this podcast where the first time we ever saw them like they were a contender a legitimate you know and they started that season and they won all these games and everyone was sort of saying wow like an expansion team yeah, looking so good it. that's weird yeah. I mean we were, we were told it's going to take us five years for our team, for Mo Johnson, to, to finally become a good team. And Seattle was doing it within the first few games. And well, when they come to BMO Field, then... We'll see. Yeah, we'll see then. And they came and beat us 2-0. So, but I remember when we went to Seattle last year, if memory serves, we didn't win that game. But I just remember seeing, like, outside of Obafemi Martins and Clint Dempsey, who knew Obafemi Martins is gone and Clint Dempsey didn't play today, last year I didn't think they were a very good team. In a team that was just like this isn't a contender anymore,
1: yeah. And the
0: team we saw today, definitely not a contender. And you kind of feel bad because then we have uh, Stefan Friangle goal for them. Yeah. Never got his uh, 100th game for TFC. Sat on 99. No one, no one's thought that was a good idea to let him play <laughs> one more game yeah, for the team that was terrible. as he exited
1: out of there. And uh, Hercules Gomez. Yes, we were actually worried there at the had end. Who had a right? chance on net and almost scored. Right? Bloom kicks it off the back line, off the line. Yeah. Oh should. shit! Yeah. So, you know, it would have continued the uh, ongoing haunting tradition of ex-TFC players scoring on TFC, right? Yeah, yeah. He came very close. He did. even though, And he was substituted late in the game, so he didn't have, like he wasn't on there for long.
0: You know, you talked through some of that, that flurry of uh, action in the first half, Steve, which wasn't very much. And the other thing that I think maybe sums up this game, which adds to the frustration, was that I think when you look at you know, the notes and the run of plays where it took I almost would say it took us four or five chances to get that first goal. And Seattle only had one real chance. I agree. When they scored that goal. And I think that's the thing that That was very of, deflating. I was in the world. I mean I was our in, build
1: up took forever. Embarrassing is the word that I our build up it. took forever and then there was a satisfying relief when we got the goal and then right away they scored and without with very little chance, like very li- it looked like almost nothing, right? Like it just felt like what the fuck? Like where was the like were we too busy celebrating? Yeah. Was it like,
0: well, let's let's celebrate first, and then we'll then we'll take it down. A which notch.
1: does seem to be an MLSC tradition. In <laughs> fact, even after the game, there's like doing fireworks, and I'm thinking. I mean, it was obviously, it was for Canada Day, they said it, but like, you know, the idea of, of uh, an entertainment, like, the, you know, sports is entertainment, well, you know, never missing an opportunity to celebrate, it seems uh, like you miss the point most of the times. And this marketing exercise is just a bunch of bullshit. So I just wanted to say that because I just feel like, fuck, if I never see another firework again and I see a few more wins, it would be a better thing. <laughs> can I say that?
0: You can't. You just did. Okay. Case closed. Before that Charles the though I did want to mention though, in those in those run of plays, I mean we once again I feel like this might be a game where people are gonna might criticize Jovinko, but he almost had he was almost on everything that was our chances. I like, would agree. He flicked that ball that ball over onto Endo, who just struck it. He didn't strike it. He didn't strike it very well. He and wasn't greedy. He gave the
1: ball it. lots of times, and the thing is that he also had his chances. So, I mean, he was playing both both sides of an offense, right? He was playing the striking position and also like and also the guy trying to give it off, so that you know the serving guy, the number nine. He was the server many times, not just uh, Endo. The Chapman was on the receiving end of two of those balls. Many of those players were, and and even. On corner kicks and things like that, We our defensemen have many chances, right? So uh, we saw Zavaleta in the mix and we saw Perkis in the mix and many, even Hagelin, lots of them had chances, all served up from Giovenco, the striker. So definitely, I, I don't want to shortchange him because, I mean, without him, it would have been even like it would have been a shit show. We yeah. wouldn't have we would that would we would have had no points in that game. Yeah. So. And and while
0: I, I think I sort of kind of gave a bit of criticism, Endo there, if I'm not mistaken, did you have Endo down on the one who served Jovinko on the goal? Or uh, on the on the strike that led to the goal. That's what I have down. And you know, we saw Jovinko goes left and he strikes it across the face of goal where Fry puts his palm out and it leaves it up on a platter for, for Hamilton to swoop in from the top of the eighteen.
1: I have Jovinko setting up Hamilton yeah. to score yeah yeah so Javinko oh, i don't know who gave it to Javinko. Javinko carried it through took takes a shot he didn't have much like he just got the, he got the ball and then shot it right away and the the rebound came out to hamilton who was open had an open net and slotted home so i don't know who it came from yeah i think i think it well, could have been. It, could be, it, could, it could be
0: pointed out i thought it was endo so I'm, I'm just kind of yeah pointing that out that i you know i criticized him in one play and the next play he still comes back and i would probably say you know we haven't been raving about him since he's been here, but I think we did see some good stuff. He had from a great today. game
1: today. I, I don't want to take anything away from him. I think he played well. I was um, he
0: was decent in possession too. Very, very
1: excited with his touch and his ability to make space for himself. Um, and he had to be creative because I think really, I mean they play like a team. They're not a bunch of individuals, but they certainly showed some pizzazz and some flair and some ability to get open when you know when they painted themselves in corners, which was. It's maybe giving Seattle too much credit because I don't think that they were all over us defensively. I think, uh, but there was times when we, I don't know, just worked it a little bit too far. I did feel like we owned the possession of this game. By the way, I think that most of the game was Toronto's game. It felt like uh, I felt like we got cheated with that goal that happened right away because it felt like Seattle had so few chances. Like I think maybe three or four chances, if I remember correctly, and that's you know good chances, like scoring chances. But, but up other to the side, point of their
0: goal, I don't think they had any.
1: Uh, they had one. That was the second chance, which was why it was so that's that's what was so odd about it. it, was because like it didn't seem like Seattle was in this game. Yeah. So
0: And it wasn't and now if we go into that, what that was was off the the kickoff. I don't know, I can't remember the name, the left back picks it up at the half. Yeah. And then he picks out a long ball yeah. that splits <laughs> splits Perkey and Zavaleta perfectly. Yeah. Jordan Morris is in between them. Parries it down, cuts back, and puts it far post. And you just like, yeah. And here I, I don't want to. Your heart sank right away. Well, and it's just like that's just something where you know what I. It's a broken record with me, but I'm like, you have this, you have your anchor in the middle, of the center back, and he's the he's the lone forward. How does that happen? Yeah. How does that guy skip between you and the other center back when you have three center backs back
1: there? Well, maybe it's the one time that the long ball works. Yeah. Because you go over the midfield, right? Yeah. Instead of going through them or around them. So, well, and, I saw at, some and stuff. At, on. And at the hop, you know, when everyone's cold, it's a great way to get in right away, right? Yeah.
0: And I'll say that, uh, you know, I saw some tweets where people might might be speculating Perky could be on his way out. And uh, this was a game to put him in the shop window and to give him some minutes so people could see him play. I don't know how that play is going to help, but. Oh,
1: that's an interesting theory. But we haven't
0: seen him much in the last, since that Vancouver game when he looked awful you know my thoughts are that you know for what he what he what he takes in terms of such a he takes a large salary bump he's an international player i don't think i think drew moore has been a more reliable defender than he has and that's just a regular is more injured i don't think moore is injured to be honest with they you they called
1: him on the substitution list so i knew he was on the bench
0: yeah so maybe i think today I was just a day where injured. i think a day was just a day where they may have partied a little too hard after the vancouver win in the voyager's cup and uh you know, we, like we saw, where they rotated some guys
1: through. Judging by the uh, little video show that they showed just before kickoff. Yes. What did you think of that? I didn't I didn't think much of it. Premature ejaculation?
0: Usually that's the case. <laughs> um,
1: A little bit of pre-celebration before yeah. the game actually well, starts.
0: I want to, to save that for the sights and sounds. Uh, well, let's do it. Do it do now before we segue out? Yeah. Well, okay, why not? Well, that was one. Th- once again, I think the, the other sight and sound is... I we have to know the speaker system is still set on three. Yeah. It sounds like
1: yeah, you can't hear anything. They, so really, I mean, I, I don't know what the point of a communication tool like that is if it doesn't work. And then they they
0: try to sync fireworks up, yeah, with, with the music, and you can't hear the music, so you're just sitting there
1: startled by fireworks <laughs> that happen sort of like in the middle of nothing. Which is, you know, it's not it's synced up with the video, but it's like it happens, and you're just like, oh. Was that the climax of the video? Yeah, I missed it. Yeah, like you fucking got me off guard. <laughs> Everyone's talking because they can't fucking hear it. They're just talking amongst themselves, and then all these things and I go can't off figure it's out what like, it. What like, like, the fuck just happened? It was
0: louder last year when we didn't have like this giant roof over us. Yeah. So I don't know what the I don't know
1: what what's, what's well, going on. It was on with that. louder the first two games. Yeah, it actually did work. I don't know. I mean, we, we all, we're specu- we, we've we gone over this a million times. We speculate that somebody complained that it was too loud, but whatever.
0: Yeah. So, but the other thing was that, um, and it's a little bit, well, I guess it falls into the same category, Steve was saying, like never missing opportunity. You know, they put together this montage at the start of the game for the Voyager's Cup win, which I'm, I'm you know, uh, when the tournament kicked off, this big tournament, you know, I was sort of, like, indifferent, but I have to say, like, when you're in that last game and you're about to win it, and then we're not going to compete until next year.
1: Did we ever find out what was going on with that?
0: Yeah, we did, actually. Someone did. Yeah, okay, because you were not, last week I did the podcast with Aaron, and we did, people did write in and tell us how it Oh, was. okay. So, so you you're playing us, for the following year, because the idea is that you, you they want to get more teams involved in it, so it's probably going to go a bit longer. So that you don't want to be playing the same year that you qualify but for. But
1: that's ironic because, like, the fucking the Amway Cup or whatever this is called, for Canada, is only four teams. So it just feels like it's like a non-cup. Like, it's like you only have to be two teams. So, really, how difficult is that?
0: Yeah. Well, they're, they're hoping to add more.
1: That no, well, wasn't that big yeah, of a comment.
0: Well, Steve, let me just say this. Have not some of our,
1: our best... When are we going to face Edmonton? Never. Well, eventually, it's they, really three teams. Edmonton's never beat Vancouver. They come close. They got robbed. Montreal's Montreal. beat us, and we beat Montreal. Yeah. But that, Otto West, almost got through. Oh, West, there's not a competition. It's always Vancouver. It's really just three teams. Let's think about this. You don't like playing the Champions League. It's a you, bullshit. you, you don't like playing. You don't like playing like
0: uh, Cruz Azul. You didn't like that game. You didn't like. You don't like things. I do cool, like playing. You don't playing, think it's cool playing team
1: yes, Mexico, but the canada segment of it is so thin and sparse it just feels like and it and even uneven for the teams that are in it it's uneven i'm just saying so so to help your point though is this this is the thing
0: that i'll say is that the video comes on and of course it's a first start with the point that the sound system's not exactly booming so we're not feeling the drama but they do this like montage vignette, which is like in some ways, you know, the Miracle Montreal, I'll always have a soft spot for, obviously. Yeah,
1: it was like, that, that, that was a fantastic game. Yeah. It, that was like, that would, you know, you just went into it thinking, this is an impossible thing to do, and they did it. Yeah.
0: However, this, although we were down, we were about to lose in an extra time. Will Johnson scores breaking his leg in the process. Yes. Or so, cracking his favorite. So and that,
1: that's, yes, for sure
0: but i will say that when they're like building this amazing story of like look what we did and i couldn't help but think you know and i said this last podcast how we've watched so much soccer this month and you know anyone who's following world soccer is like i think there's a storyline going on right now in the euros that's a little more dramatic that's a little more you know gripping than winning like you said a four-team tournament You know, Ice, well, yeah, Wales. Well, I'm thinking Iceland, but both those teams, I mean, those are incredible stories of
1: fairy tale stories
0: of, you know, David and Goliath of something where you're like, wow, like, I've never seen stuff like this. Right. Right? Where it's just like the game against Austria, where (laughs) that's the guy, the commentator's
1: losing his shit and then beating England. It has nothing to do with the commentator. Did you see what, like, Austria just threw everything at them that happened? That was one of the only games I saw. And in, the additional time, which seemed like an eternity, the <laughs> Iceland gets to counterattack. This is after a corner that Austria took where the keeper came up and they had 12 men and you thought for sure they're going to score and they still didn't and then all of a sudden the bop- ball pops out to the wing and a team that has been playing defense for an entire half all of a sudden has three players on offense, two of them out of the play but running along just for support. And the ball comes across and Austria only sends one guy back on defense and the Icelandic guys are like exhausted from the run because they didn't even expect to be playing offense at that point in the game. And the guy, the ball comes across, the guy hits hits it, hits the keeper, go, bounces in the net off his chest and collapses. And I'm looking at the game, looking, going, did that go in? I can't tell. (laughs) Then the next screenshot is of the crowd, and there's no reaction. I'm thinking, oh, it hit the side of the net. Then the next shot is the Austrian fans cupping their mouth. And I'm like, maybe it's in. (laughs) And then the next shot is Icelandic fans jumping up and down. Then the next shot is the Icelandic players still on the pitch out. And I'm going... I'm fucking confused. I don't know what just happened. It was crazy. <laughs> Here's another sight and sound. Do you remember
0: when uh, Jordan Hamilton hit the ball just over the net and the entire section above us started cheering the goal?
1: <laughs> yes. And I was like, it clearly was north of the pitch, uh, north of the bar. But, you know, the other thing I wanted to say is, like, we were talking about Javinko. I want to say that, like, what I've noticed, like, one of the things I noticed today is that whenever – he gets the ball there's sort of this collective holding of breath that goes on in the stadium which is amazing to see because they're really all it's amazing but also like it's like it's also amazing desperation like we all our hopes go into Javinko so it's one of the things I noticed today is that whenever he gets the ball people are are super upset when he doesn't score and that happens a lot because he's get like you know he's basically the only playmaker on the pitch all the hopes of this city are on this one player at this point of the of the season, like with the way that the lineup is going, in some ways it's amazing, and in some ways it's like, fuck, we got all our eggs in one basket.
0: Have you noticed how many Jovinko jerseys there are in our
1: section? How many different ones? I can't like. There's a lot. They're not even Toronto C jerseys. They're like, uh, and they're not like, they're not Juventus jerseys. They're just like people are making up their own Jovinko G- G- jerseys. It's like I like it. It's like the DIY thing. I like. It's great that people are making up their own jerseys. I think it's awesome. Anyway, so that was one of the um, one of the keys to the match that you missed. Oh shit! Yes, I want to so know. I don't, know I don't even her. know. Like, sh- I guess Sherry. I don't. I don't even know her name. Is it Sherry? The girl you who's the I new Rachel. Sherry. I think her name's Sherry. Sherry was uh, away today for Canada Day, so they had some other girl who I'm going to call Twiggy because her voice was like uh, in that annoying octave range that is just like irritating to listen to. And uh, she gave us the three tips of the game, which I still am having trouble understanding. The first being Next Man Up, which I couldn't, well, obviously I couldn't hear because of this, the sound system being not working, really. And then the second one was Ride the Wave, which I also don't understand, uh, other than (laughs) maybe, I guess we won the Amway game. Oh, yeah, that's probably what it is. So we're trying to plant the momentum of, like, uh, a winning streak. If you could call it that. Yeah. And then the last one was Seba's time, which to me was like, does that mean don't sub him out? <laughs> which we didn't. Or is like everyone's... Time on the ball? I don't know I don't know what they were talking
0: about. But Maybe everyone's gone. Everyone's injured, so now it's Seba's time.
1: I just... I guess I don't get anything out of the keys to the match without this intercom system working. <laughs> I'm sorry to harp on this. <laughs> it's like flogging a dead horse, really, but... Oh, here's the, here's something
0: else I wanted to I wanted to Stephen Fry t- has a nice beard, eh? Yeah, it's legit. <laughs> he's in Seattle now. He's got a. I think he's fitting in. Yeah. with the locals. Did you see that the banner on the south end about the MLS referees? I didn't. You didn't see it? No. What did it say? Ah, oh, shit. He made it, it. Was a comment about it. I think I think they were mostly drawing back on the last game against Orlando, where the refereeing was so what was really happened atrocious. Yeah. Well, as we noted that in the in the game, where of course if you saw the game. The key the key refereeing decision was that for Toronto there was a play where Jordan Hamilton had a was chasing down a ball and Joe Bendick kind of from behind him grabbed him, pulled him down, tackled him. Lose like not overly aggressively, but he still made the contact. Yeah, yeah. Didn't touch a ball. Probably Jordan Hamilton might have got shot on the head. No call. And then at the very wow. end of the game.
1: It's pretty uh, shocking.
0: Orlando lo- lofts the ball in the 18 yard box, and uh, Julio Baptista playing for Orlando. The Beast is backing into Drew Moore, who, of course, touches him because he's backing into him, falls down, referee points the spot. And that's the game pretty yeah. much right there. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, but that's, I mean, that's not the first, obviously, bad call. Bad call we've really been a part of this year, and there's been numerous of them, and that's in earlier on or a week or two before that there was a, a missed call from the league where a ball crossed the line no one saw it either there however you want to say it no one was in the right position but the ball was well over the line and the goal didn't count and then today i don't know if you can necessarily overly criticize the referee but there did seem like there was a point at towards the end of the the half as we we're talking about jovinko where i was going to say like this call is never going to happen
1: I almost don't want to even have this discussion because I now for me I've given up on referees. I've just I always go into games knowing that there's going to be bad calls and there's probably going to be bad calls for both teams. And today he actually hit he he got hit by the ball twice by both teams, right? So in fact he uh, so he I guess I don't know what I don't know what the best word is for this, but he like intercepted or like interfered with two passing plays, one for each team. Yeah. And, and, you know, not in that sort of, like, attempt to level it. Like, he just got in the way. I felt like he was in the way. I don't think... <laughs> I felt like he... Although he's keeping up with the play, he was too much in the play. Um, and then, I think what your observation was... So that's my observation. I think he was just too much in the play. And, whatever. Like, I just... I've given up on the refs. I just, I just think they're terrible. Um, but... I think what you're alluding to is that there was some, there was a lot of calls that he didn't make for Toronto that looked like they could have been called, but some of them I felt like it's just Javinko mostly campaigning, right? Like I mean, Javinko's small, he gets bowled over a lot, he does know how to fall well. He's Italian, so he's he's got the dive down perfectly. Uh, I think refs are on to him. I think that they know when he's diving. Like I just think you can't rely on that. But obviously, if you're not gonna keep the ball. You're gonna use it. You're gonna try and you're gonna try it. You're gonna try and make that play anyway. I just don't think that we should be falling for it all the time either. Like I think maybe there's times when you shouldn't be campaigning for these calls. And I think one of the, one of the things was Delgado getting a uh, no. It wasn't Delgado. Beta Shore. Right. Beta Shore at and the end with the with slide tackle, which I felt like was a legitimate. It should have been a legitimate card. Uh, there's a new studs up rule, and it almost makes uh, slide tackling impossible in this game now. So you should expect whenever there's a slide tackle that there's gonna be a card. That's I think that's the new norm. And it hasn't been it hasn't been played out much this year. So we just saw it and it happened near the end of the game and it was sort of at an instrumental time when it was in our end. So like I mean people were pissed off about that. But they were also many times they were pissed off with Javinko getting rolled over. So I think people in general were sort of campaigning for Javinko. And I felt like, well, he just falls a lot. I mean, he's going to do that because he's tired and he's run out, of, like he's run out of options, and he's doing a hell of a lot more work than he can. So this is the way he's going to try and get something else, right? And at, at some point, the ref's not going to fall for it anymore. I just, and I think he just—I don't think he had—I don't think the ref called a terrible game. I just say he got in the way twice, and yeah. it, it was one for each team, and so I felt like it was level. Yeah. And I do feel like everything else he called was fair. But you don't think that. And, well, most of, I, and most of the people in the stadium don't think that. So I, I think this is a minority opinion. Well, and I,
0: but I would say this is a game where it's kind of like, it's a bit of, you know, crying wolf is the way that I would say it. Like, I'm, I, was, I I was, fully admit, I was like, he's never going to get this call for the rest of this game. There was a point in the game where I was like, we're not going to get this call. Yeah. Every time he dribbles around the 18, the referee's is not even going to look at it. Yeah. And there, And it got to a point, I think, like the way you describe it is that even if it was legitimate... Because of what had preceded in the, in the game, it wasn't going to happen. And yeah. that's just the unfortunate truth of the situation. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out in future games is that, you know, will he keep getting these calls, especially when we're in a game like this where there aren't other players really to kind of, he's got so much on his shoulders where there's no other, there's no other player doing any of this magic. So, you know, the spotlight's on him at all times. I think the referee's just like, I can't, I'm not going to. Yeah. I don't say fall for this, but I'm not going to decide the game this way. Yeah, Or let the game be decided this yeah,
1: way. Yeah, so he'll let it play on. Yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. I think that pretty much wraps it up, Steve. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any other sights and sounds, but I mean, for a game that was, like we said, I, I can't imagine.
1: There's something I'm thinking about, but I can't remember what it is, so I'm just going to leave it. Any players of the match you want to mention? Oh, there was no player of the match called tonight. I, have they disbanded with this?
0: Well, I think they were so excited about the fireworks.
1: They, I, I guess <laughs> they so, yeah. have. Uh, they yeah. may have,
0: uh, you know, put that on ice for a little bit. I don't know what.
1: But I haven't heard it for like the last few games. I don't know if. It, well, if we've they been just able to get made... out of the stadium pretty quick. Maybe. Uh, there's fewer people today. Well, but I, maybe it's because of the holiday. It was,
0: I found a pro- I had problems getting into the stadium.
1: Uh, I didn't, but uh, I had no problems anywhere in the city today because there's doesn't seem to be anybody in the city.
0: No. I don't yeah. know. It's nice and quiet. Anyway,
1: next week Chicago Fire.
0: Yes. There's a bit of a, a bit and they, of a run. And they I mean. use
1: the, uh, and so they, interestingly, they used the, uh, historical moment today was the Chicago Fire game where they had the padded cushions, which is something that we said. Oh, yeah. We said that might be one of the ones, right? It was, yeah. Chicago Fire was the game so, we scored our first goal. So. I was there. It was so, the best. Yeah. And some people were remarking about how they kept their cushion. They like, no way I was throwing it. And they still have their cushion.
0: I threw about... Which was smart because yeah.
1: they, they probably realized... Well, they maybe they didn't realize, but, like, you know, there was never a padded cushion again because of the throwing of the cushions. Yeah, on the well, floor I'm floor. an
0: idiot. I threw, like, ten of them. <laughs> they kept falling down on my head, and I kept throwing them on the field, and then at the end of the game, there wasn't You could have
1: had a really comfy seat. <laughs>
0: yeah, I fucking botched it. But, yeah, no, just, just to make That was note, the historical note. It isn't. is a busy, super busy month, three or four weeks. We got Chicago, and then we're going away to Columbus... Way to San Jose. So we have a midweek game after next week. And then we're hosting DC, hosting Columbus, Trillium Cup's gonna be wrapping up. And then we're hosting another nine cup. Yeah, Salt Lake and New England. So that's it's a that's a crazy stretch. And this is a stretch where we're we're down guys. So
1: Yeah, uh, this is a bad time to be short players. And and a lot of these players are out on injuries that are six weeks, so they're gonna miss all those games.
0: They won't be back until uh you know, I think we're just going to be getting They won't be back in- until I get back from my vacation.
1: We're going to be deeper into our bench. Yeah, it's going to be dire. Yeah.
0: So, Steve, um, as always, people can catch you on Equalize and Distort Sunday nights.
1: Yeah, tomorrow night we're doing a, a piece on the Scenics, uh, first wave Toronto punk band. Okay. That are very inspired by the early New York scene. Right on. Yeah. Listen for that. Was this what station again? Eighty-nine point five FM. Or you can listen on CIUT.fm if you're outside of the Toronto listening area.
0: Okay. of course, you can get me at Clark RNO or at Red Nation Online. And uh, info, have your say at rednationonline.ca. Give us a shout-out. Getting ready for Chicago next weekend.
1: Painting you a dire picture of the future. (laughs) We'll do our best. For eight uh, years now.
0: Yep. So thanks for listening, guys. Oh, yes. Should we finish it with that? I suppose. Well, I mean, it's technically not an anniversary day, but the, the opposition represents an Eastside stand-up anniversary. Or
1: a landmark or a benchmark or whatever. Something like that. A reference point. Yeah.
0: Thanks for all the years, guys. <laughs> we'll catch you next weekend. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us, let us know how you thought the team did, agreed, disagreed, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and in our interview series. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. What do you see? It's with feelings like you and-